This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hi, guys. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. I'm Liz Wheeler. I think you're really going to love the show today. It's a great, great conversation. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, would you do me a favor and do that right now? Pick up your smartphone. If you have an iPhone, go to Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button. If you have an Android, go to Spotify and hit subscribe on that. If you prefer to watch the show in the video format, then go to YouTube or Rumble or Locals and hit the subscribe buttons over there. On YouTube, hit the bell as well so that I can notify you every time we have a new episode, a new interview, a new video. On Rumble, if you go to rumble.com slash Liz Wheeler, next to the subscribe button, there's a little red button that allows you to join the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. I humbly invite you to join us over there. And thank you to each and every one of you who have been joining lately. I love to see everybody's, uh, all the new faces over there. Okay, so what are we going to talk about on the show today? Today we are going to play audio. It's audio that was released exclusively by one of my favorite investigative journalists. His name is Jordan Schachtel. He publishes over at the Dossier Substack. So if you're not already following him, if you're not already subscribed to him, highly recommend that you do. He does really good work. This audio is related to an announcement that happened at the World Economic Forum's Davos event. The announcement was related to an uh, an event that you've probably heard of, I'd heard of it before this, called Event 201. Yes, that Event 201. Event 201, maybe you read about this if you read The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert Kennedy Jr., he discusses it. Event 201 was a pandemic war game a pandemic war game. And what I mean by that is it was a simulation of how government officials and public health officials and global business leaders would respond in the event that there was a global pandemic. Now, what's a little more than coincidental about Event 201 is this this simulation was staged in New York City in October of 2019. In October of 2019, just months before we in the United States were hit by the COVID-19 virus. Event 201, the premise of this simulation was a coronavirus that was transferred from an animal population to a human population, began to make people sick, and soon it spread all around the world. In this, in this simulation, this, this pandemic war game, the proposition or the premise was that 65 million people died of this. And It was practice for these global public health officials like the UN and the WHO, and there were CIA operatives there, there were CDC operatives there, there was Chinese CDC operatives there, there were Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation people there, Rockefeller Center people. Um, There are all kinds of, I guess I would call them leaders just because they're the most prominent folks in these fields, and they were practicing how governments and businesses would respond to a, a pandemic of this kind. Now, What's a little bit more than coincidental is the prescriptions that were practiced in this pandemic simulation in October of 2019 were applied almost exactly when the real SARS-CoV-2 virus hit the United States. And again, a little bit more of a coincidence because the interventions that were imposed on us 
by our government officials were not typical public health measures. They were, they were things like masking and this universal vaccination and lockdowns, which had been rejected by the public health establishment until COVID-19. That's why a lot of us were caught unawares because we, we were like, well, we learned back with the Spanish flu that we know that masking is ineffective. We know that lockdowns are more harmful than, than, than any good that they do stopping transmission. So how did this happen? How was it universally accepted, literally around the globe, that these government officials were adopting public health measures that were not only harmful, but that went against everything we knew about how to handle a, a respiratory virus like COVID-19? The answer to that may lie in event 201, going underneath the surface of this pandemic simulation, this war game that happened in New York City, who ran it, who was involved in it, who funded it, what verbiage they used in their announcement in this audio, in this audio footage that Jordan Schachtel obtained tells us a lot about the answers to those questions. That is what we are going to talk about today. So let's get to it. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, guys. So to journey back a little bit before we unpack the new information that I want to present to you today, I want to give the full context of what we're talking about. So this event, this this pandemic war games called Event 201, they actually bragged about this online. They made their own little sizzle reel, their own highlight reel, um, showing exactly how this worked, who was involved in it, what they were talking about, who was making the calls, the very dramatic readings that individuals who were participating in this would go up to the podium and say what was happening next, like how many people had died, which hospitals were overflowing, who was going to make the decisions. They made a little highlight reel, which I think is worth watching. So let's take a look. It began in healthy looking pigs, months, perhaps years ago a new coronavirus spread silently within herds. Gradually, farmers started getting sick. Infected people got a respiratory illness with symptoms ranging from mild flu-like signs to severe pneumonia. The sickest required intensive care, many died. Experts agree unless it is quickly controlled, it could lead to a severe pandemic, an outbreak that circles the globe and affects people everywhere. The mission of the Pandemic Emergency Board is to provide recommendations to deal with a major global challenges arising in response to an unfolding pandemic. The board is comprised of highly experienced leaders from business, public health, and civil society. We could be looking at double the number of cases in one week and 16 times as many in a month if we are not able to stop the spread. That would be on the order of half a million cases, and it would continue to rise exponentially. 
In three months, we could be approaching 10 million cases. We're at the start of what's looking like it will be a severe pandemic. And there are problems emerging that can only be solved by global business and governments working together. Okay, so a couple things to know. Remember that 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 was their own little sizzle reel that they put together that gave us a glimpse inside this war game that they staged, right? This was in October of 2019, just months before COVID-19 that we became aware of it. I don't want to say be before it started because we don't really know when it started spreading in China. But before we became aware of it, in the United States or even in China, this was just months beforehand, that man at the end, Tom Inglesby, you're gonna to wanna to put a pin on that name because we're gonna talk about him in a little bit more depth because he's a, he's a power player in this. But one of the notes that perhaps is relevant to this discussion, perhaps it's not, this was just an observation I had. I watched this video a couple times. You can see the fear in these people's eyes. This is supposed to be a simulation. What they're doing is they are pretending that there is a coronavirus that was somehow weaponized, that accidentally got leaked from a lab, that's been spreading. It jumped from these healthy pigs that they showed on the screen, and it's spreading to people all around the world. And this is supposed to be pretend. This is fake. This is, this is a simulation. It's not real. And yet, the individuals who were announcing the developments in their war game, in their simulation, you can see the fear in their eyes. These are the same people these are the same people who were ultimately making the decisions and giving the advice to politicians during the real outbreak of COVID-19. So that's sort of that's sort of the backstory. They bragged about this. Fun fact, actually, Jordan Schachtel over at the dossier reported that the company, the production company that put together that video for Event 201 also does work for CNN. So this is like, they paid big bucks for this production, for this video to look the way that it did. And in this simulation that they ran, this was a, this was a real simulation. When I say real simulation, that's a little contradiction. You know what I mean. This was a, a war game that they staged in New York City, and they claimed that in this simulation, 65 million people around the world died from this coronavirus pandemic. Now, all of this sounds very familiar because this is somewhat of what we saw for real happen just months later. Now, but, but the question that I wanna examine tonight, the question, or today, the question that I wanna talk about today is who was behind this? Because there's, there's not just a little similarity between the reality that you and I experienced during COVID-19, the governmental policies that were imposed on us, the lockdowns, the vaccines, the two weeks to stop the spread, all of this, this, this contradiction of everything that public health had told us about how to mitigate respiratory viruses, the transmission of respiratory viruses, everything that we saw and experienced and had imposed on us, they practiced it. This is where it came from. This is, this is the beginning of it. And so I want to dive in today uh, to the groups that were behind this, the people that were involved in this, and the power players around the world who put this together. And joining me to do this is publisher at the dossier, Jordan Schachtel. Jordan, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Liz. Thanks so much for having me to talk about this super important subject that um, I think people are trying to dismiss as a cons so-called conspiracy theory in order to kind of like delegitimize it and get people not to talk about it. So I appreciate you using your platform to do so. 
Yeah, of course. I mean, anything that the left tells me is a conspiracy, anything that the left tells my audience is a conspiracy, I think that makes us doubly interested in it because over the course of the past, what, four or five years, every time we have been called conspiracy theorists, it's turned out, whatever whatever the topic, it's turned out to be true. So you did some original reporting on this. A lot of us, by the way, had heard of Event 201, especially people who'd read the book, The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert Kennedy Jr. He talks about Event 201. This isn't something that is maybe new information that this simulation occurred, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of questions around it. That's kind of why it's it can be fertile ground for conspiracy theorists because it is so surreal. It is so otherworldly. It's very easy to believe that it's that it's not that it's not what it is. So you did some original reporting. You found that this man, Tom Inglesby, was um, a pretty significant player surrounding the organization of this event. So can you tell us what you found? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, so we built on a lot of the the previous reporting on Event 201, and we wanted to find out basically how this thing all started, like what was the planning phase, the announcement. And we traced this back amazingly to the World Economic Forum's uh, annual Davos conference. At the 2019, uh, we reported at the 2019 Davos conference in uh, January of 2019, they announced um, that they were going to do a coronavirus pandemic simulation. And it was ama- it's amazing because like all of the extremely powerful players were behind event 201 in this announcement in the planning stages and and you know effectively launching event 201 they announced it from davos january 2019 um several months go by and then they in i I think it was two months before event 201 this website pops up and it basically thanks the world economic forum the gates foundation and the rockefeller foundation and you know lists all of these incredibly influential government attendees from the uh, director of national intelligence to the leader of the chinese cdc uh, very strange for a war game simulation I, I didn't know that these people you know they're supposed to be defending against all these potential global threats and they're all kind of gotten into the same room together so it, it, but it was really fascinating to me i mean uh, of all places that this plan was hatched in davos um, like, you know, the, the, the capital of uh, technocratic tyranny in our modern world where all the elites get together and plan ways to basically subjugate us for eternity. So I, I thought that that was just, it, it, was, it was pretty incredible. And th- then it makes you start to wonder, like, are they, like, who is, 
who is hiding what here? Like, I wish that we could hook all these people up to some type of truth serum and, and, and get to the bottom of, of what they knew and when they knew it, because it's just like amazing coincidences that were happening right before the outbreak or the supposed, as you recalled, the supposed date for the first outbreak that's very much in question. But there's a lot of strange stuff that was going on, and it all starts in Davos, amazingly. It is. I mean, you talk about coincidence and you say amazingly. I don't, I believe in miracles. I don't really believe in coincidences too much, at least not coincidences when they relate to political corruption. And it does sound almost too good to be true when you say, well, the World Economic Forum run by Klaus Schwab, whose vision for the world is the great reset of capitalism, this sort of pseudo-Chinese communist economic system that's kind of capitalism, kind of communism in this weird controlling hybrid, that that guy, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who Bill Gates, by the way, has actively act, uh, has, has advocated for population control through vaccines. You can look up his own words. You don't have to take my word for it. I know the fact checkers like to say that's not true, but his quotes are out there. His real words, he said it, and the Rockefellers. Um, it's, it's, it, it isn't too good to be true. It is real here. So the John Hopkins or John Hopkins University, the director of the John Hopkins Center for Health Security, was the one who made this announcement. Tom Inglesby, how how pivotal of a player is he in this whole thing? Um, I think that he is important to the scenario, but the funding mechanisms that came from the Gates Foundation, I mean, even like these WHO players, these Rockefeller people, as you discussed, I mean, they have historical, like Rockefeller has historical ties to like the eugenics movement, Bill Gates, um, as, as you said, whether or not he wants to clarify it that way, Bill Gates believes that there's too many humans on the planet. And then you can kind of draw the conclusions about how he intends on ridding uh, the planet of these humans. So I think that anyone with this ideology, and then it's coupled with um, like this just um, th this advocacy for this public-private fascism, feudalism, whatever you want to call it. it. It's a dangerous blend, and it leads to people devising some crazy ideas. And, and we just, it, it, I was thinking about this because, you know, we're going on like three years of uh, COVID insanity now. In some places, it's still crazy. In Florida, it's cool where I live. But we still really have so few answers to the major questions that involved this outbreak. And it doesn't seem like anyone wants to answer them. I mean, Fauci's gone. Um, I, I don't think that the Republicans in Congress are very much interested in um, getting to the bottom of things because they were so complicit in this regime. And it's so weird that, you know, th there was these this timeline of events, I, I think, when it comes to event 201, there hasn't really been any accountability for these actors. So they're just going to continue doing whatever they're doing behind closed doors. You know, there's a there's a big uh, WEF meeting in Davos next week. All those same players are going to be there. There's, they're just calculating technocratic tyrants. And, um, you know, Dr. Inglesby and um, the Hopkins Center, they, they received a lot of financing to do this. You know, they're very much in the... Uh, elite circle in Washington, D.C. They receive tons of government funds from all over the place. 
but it was it, it's just uh, you know it's hard to get over the the fact that the this gates network this enormously powerful gates network was not only involved in you know the, these modeling uh agencies and and the you know the the mrna vaccine investments but they were also involved in this like pre-planning event 201 it was just it, it's just so it, it's so crazy to me that um there's just such a lack of accountability and but but i think that you know in from an optimistic perspective there are so many more people who have kind of like had that internal red flag raised because they're just they're seeing this too um whether it's like you know all these horrific policy measures that they impose on us for three years so i think that a lot of people want to get to the bottom of this although there, there's like you know government folks and um the professional ruling class wants to label us uh you know conspiracy theorists or whatnot there there's i think millions of or tens of millions of people that are very interested in getting to the bottom of this. And then I, I hope that someone with influence and power um, in the halls of Congress, you know, we have a new congressional center that they take this on somehow, because uh, I think event 201 is certainly worth um, revisiting again and again and again, and get these major players, at least in front of congressional committees. If you want to do a Fauci investigation, you should also bring Bill Gates there. <laughs> and, and have him uh, testify. And by the way, by the way, you say Fauci, you say Fauci disappeared. He reappeared briefly to contradict my question after DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills collapsed on the field. There were a lot of questions from a lot of people about, oh, wow, a 24-year-old professional athlete has had a heart attack. He had cardiac arrest on the field. That's not typical. Never happened before. What could be the cause of that? A lot of people were wondering if it had to do with the vaccine. I tweeted some statistics about heart problems in the vaccine and the number of athletes that are collapsing from heart failure now compared to before the rollout of the vaccine. Fauci resurfaced to try to contradict me, but other than that, he other than that, he has he has disappeared. I, I do want to play for people when when we're talking about this funding mechanism. You're talking about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You're talking about um, the World Economic Forum. I want to play, it's your original reporting that you published on the dossier. You acquired the audio of the announcement that Tom Inglesby made at Davos telling people that this war game, this pandemic simulation was going to happen. This panel that he announced it on was sponsored by some very interesting folks. And after he made this announcement, he sent out a tweet that was retweeted also by someone that I think you'll find very interesting. But some of the phrases that he uses during this three, four, five minute announcement are, I wanna dive into them because they're very, very telling about what we experienced when COVID was unleashed just a couple of months later. So let's take a listen to this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's a tall order. Yes. Okay, thanks so much. Uh... Thank you uh, for the introduction, and thank you to UPS, J&J, &J, and the World Economic Forum for this event. Uh, it's very exciting to be here, and I want to commend WEF for all of the work it's been doing to gather global business, 
on pandemic preparedness, epidemic response. It's really, uh, I think, a, a, a dramatic change in the world in the last five years, and Ryan Moorhart himself has really amped it up substantially in the last few. So you've heard uh, a great deal about the ongoing epidemic in DRC, but can you guess how many epidemics every year come to the attention of WHO of the world's most, some of the world's most dreaded diseases? More than 200 epidemics a year of yellow fever, cholera, plague, avian influenza, et cetera, come to the attention of WHO, some of which WHO has to get involved in, but all of which are affecting national governments and businesses around the world. So now imagine that in this coming year, with 200 epidemic events already straining resources around the world, we have an event 201, event 201. But this event is the severe pandemic that we've all been preparing for and working to avoid and to mitigate. So how would WHO and national governments respond if this occurred in 2019? What would be the impact on global business? The businesses in this room are among the most prepared in the world, but if we look beyond this room and think about global business impact from pandemic in 2019, I think uh, we can all imagine that they would be dramatic and substantial. And could global businesses help national governments and international NGOs, UN organizations, to dramatically diminish the impact of a pandemic? I think that's the question. That's what motivates a lot of our work in this room. So with that as the background, we are excited to announce that our center is working with WEF, partnering with WEF and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to hold a major pandemic exercise in October of 2019, which will draw together global business and the WHO and national governments to consider these issues and shine a light on them and see if we can identify paths forward. The exercise will be called Event 201 in honor of the uh, potential pandemic and will involve global business leaders, officials from national governments and international organizations. And in this exercise, they will need to find ways for governments to help businesses survive and for businesses to help governments survive, all while working to end a pandemic. The exercise is going to show how pandemics demand global expertise and collaboration across the spectrum of competencies, not just public health, which is sometimes what people think about from afar, but business, science, political leadership, communications, finance, and security. That's something that Bill Gates has emphasized over and over again in his public announcements how important it is to have security aligned with national government and public health in a pandemic event like this. Our own center, and I think many of you have seen extraordinary value in exercises in the past. We have seen leaders have experiential learning and become emissaries for change. We have showed the seams, exercises have shown the seams in national government plans and international agreements. It's even led to the development of new vaccines and the stockpiling of vaccines and major legislation has resulted. And we saw this kind of high impact in an exercise that we did earlier this year called CLADEX, in which we involved former and current major US government leaders, including Julie Gerberding, who played members of the US National Security Council responding to a new pandemic. They did about as well as I can imagine any leaders doing in this kind of environment, but it showed how much work on the U.S. side and on the global side, we have to do to be able to respond to these events. And to get a scope of the kinds of 
of challenges, to get a sense of the scope of the kinds of challenges and intensity of the exercise we are planning for October of 2019, we have a very short movie trailer that came out of Claydex in the fall. It's only a minute long, but we're going to show it to you just to give you, get you, get you in the, the mood of what this exercise is going to be like. So if you could show that video. And don't worry, we're going to spare you the movie trailer that he played for all of the all of the people attending his panel at the World Economic Forum. Believe me, you don't want to see that. So I, as I said before, I have with me Jordan Schachtel, the publisher at the dossier. He's the one who uncovered this audio. It was an exclusive report that, that he published. And oh, by the way, he's one of my favorite investigative reporters. You should go to dossier.substack. Um, and subscribe to him. If you go to the dossier, it's actually a, a substack on black culture. So maybe that interests you. But if you want Jordan's work, go to dossier.substack.com. Jordan, tell me, tell me what your thoughts were when you heard this, because a couple of phrases stuck out to me, particularly how they kept talking about global businesses and governments working hand in hand. Yeah. Well, my first thought is I need to buy that donate domain name and uh, monopolize it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's um what what stuck out to me after hearing that again after a while is that it just shows immediately he reveals his cards that he is a puppet for Bill Gates. Whenever you are like doing that much shilling or say something along the lines of like as Bill Gates has said, like what kind of normal human being that isn't on his payroll would ever say something like that? Like Bill Gates doesn't have a an advanced degree or doesn't have any background in any type of medical pursuit. He's obviously on the payroll. Um, second, I think he's speaking a lot of WEF language when he's talking about these public-private partnerships. What he's really talking about is basically setting up an oligarchy in the private sector where you have several businesses that are well-connected to the government and do everything in accordance to um, what they've uh, agreed upon is okay for society. Uh, the World Economic Forum is basically an advocate for a feudalistic system, uh, as we discussed. So when he's talking about like businesses partnering with government, what he really wants to do is force all these, these entities together and then get everyone else on the same page in society. He doesn't want to like bring businesses to the table and like ask them to think about things. He wants to co-opt businesses into doing the bidding of his like one world uh, utopian vision. And you're right. It's amazing that like when he's talking about it, um, another interesting weird point was when he said like where he kind of paused and said that it was he, he was talking about the uh, potential pandemic. Like he was like had to think about it for a second, which was strange. It's just like it, it's amazing how things turned out. You have this supposed once in a century pandemic, and that's exactly what Inglesby and people at Event 201 were describing. And he was describing it in the announcement like he was speaking at a conference in 2022, you know, going back and talking about what had just happened. It's just so bizarre to me and just so incredibly on point with with the messaging that we saw in the coming months and years. It sounded very great resetting to me, the way that he kept talking about big business, global business, and their partnership with governments. Because isn't, isn't that what um, Klaus Schwab's version, he calls it stakeholder capitalism, but it's his 
ESG system. That's what it is. It's this, this intertwining of business with the government. So if the big businesses, like I said, the, the analogy here is always the Chinese Communist Party and how they have this, this they don't own the businesses in China, but they control them. If the businesses uh, dissent in any way from the Chinese Communist ideology, then they are punished. That's the ESG system. That's what it sounded like to me when he's talking about this partnership that, well, we have to prepare these businesses to react the way that the governmental uh, parties want them to react. And if not, well, we're just not going to say it out loud, but we'll punish you through the ESG system. Exactly. ESG um, is, is an ideology that is in direct opposition to human flourishing. Um, and, and the pillars of ESG are, are basically to make people suffer. Um, so so what the, the overt message for ESG is basically that we need to roll back um, whatever we're doing in business and life, our emissions, our carbon footprint in order to save the environment. But what really happens is that you have these groups that are entitled as gatekeepers of civilization and all the power and money goes to them. So when Klaus Schwab is talking about the, this idea that like, you know, the world's gonna end in climate change and we need to act now, we need this great reset, we need to build back better. It's basically just like, the translation is he's, he's, he's telling you that you need to give up your liberties and give everything away in order to save society, but you need to give all of the power to them. Like they're the people who are going to do it. Yeah, because they're better than us, of course. I, I want to talk for a second about who organized Event 201, who were the main participants. There were 15 main participants. You reported on this. One of the ones that struck me as, uh, we'll just say it was a little bit of a head scratcher, is George Gao. He's the director of the Chinese CDC. We have the vice president for NBC, a news organization, which, I mean, I don't have to tell you how corrupt the news or the media and the reporting were during COVID. We have the former deputy director of the CIA, the director, one of the directors of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, a former World Health Organization and Rockefeller Foundation official, the vice president at Johnson & Johnson, um, an executive with Australia's second largest bank, an actual CDC official here from the United States, um, an, an official at the UN, a senior executive at UPS. That one actually seemed kind of random to me. <laughs> um, and and some, other, some other business leaders. What do you make of this list? What sticks out to you? Yeah, the, the Chinese CDC one is big. And I, and I think that Americans, well, there's a lot of big ones. But I think when it comes to America's relationship with China, our ruling class in the United States, um, they don't dislike China because they have elements of communism and totalitarianism in their system. Uh, I believe it's very clear that the Biden administration and the people in charge do not like China because they cannot control China. And it's really that simple. Like they envy the ideas that are coming out of China, as we saw with the COVID hysteria era. They they never paused to think about if the if the tyranny was too much and our government health establishment was taking all of its ideas and scientific evidence basically from the chinese government so i think it was very interesting that they had this um the, the top chinese uh, cdc official there and what's interesting is that also a lot of the major players in wef world um bill gates you know has billions of dollars in china the World Economic Forum has um, a, a, an annual Davos-like event every year in China where it brings together 
um, Chinese business or Chinese businesses with the Chinese government to like facilitate that, that feudalistic partnership. So I, I think that it, it kind of, there, there's a lot of interesting elements to this. And I think particularly the Chinese um, top government health official and a lot of the the U.S. officials there too. I don't understand why an intelligent, again, why an intelligence official has nothing better to do than be at a war game simulation at a fancy uh, hotel in New York City. Um, and then, in addition to that, there's also, of course, the the J and J, who had, uh, you know, created made a lot of money off of the vaccine. Um, and that I guess that's a whole different subject matter because J and J kind of got kicked to the curb um, towards the end of it. But you know, you had a lot of major influential players that. Um, I think I, I did some research on it and like 90% of these um, organizations uh, benefited tremendously. Like how many businesses can, can, can say that they benefited tremendously from the COVID era? It was, it was quite amazing that so many of these enterprises um, were in a perfect position to do better than they ever have while tens of millions of Americans found themselves out of work. Well, that's one of the takeaways for me about event 201, that it's striking that it was just months before COVID was unleashed on the United States. That's that's obvious, that's the obvious takeaway. But maybe the less obvious takeaway to me is that all of the things in public health that we knew, meaning that masks aren't effective in stopping the transmission of a respiratory virus, that lockdowns don't do anything, they cause more harm than, than good, all of these different things that we'd understood for almost a century, certainly, certainly in recent, in modern times, but for a long time, we knew masks weren't effective from the Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. All of these things were turned on their heads and it wasn't something, to us maybe it felt new, right? To the American people, it felt like, oh, we hadn't lived a pandemic before. These were, these were, these were new um, interventions, non-pharmaceutical interventions that were levied against us. But to the people who were involved in the advising, the execution, and the planning of it all, Event 201 shows me that they were conditioned. This is the Event 201 conditioned them to actually react the way that they were trained to during this simulation when the real thing happened. And perhaps the reason that they were conditioned to react like this was because they stood to profit. Yeah. And not only that, when you speak of conditioning, the um, when I was tracking the Event 201 event and what happened on that day on social media, they invited all of these reporters who would later become the, the, the COVID crazies when the outbreak started, which was so strange because um, like, I, I, it's amazing. Like you had like the Lori Garrett, this, this woman who's a reporter at USA Today there. And she like, I think her profile picture, she still has a mask and this like terrified look on her face. But you had all these people who would in the media space who you're right, they were absolutely conditioned to start reporting a one month later. And they're like, oh, you know, I guess like, it, it's just like, this is just, um, maybe they're just, they, they're just not thoughtful people and couldn't, you know, put two and two together that this was possibly like some type of conditioning exercise, but they stuck to the talking points. Yeah, it was, they were basically there being brainwashed mm -hmm. and too gullible to see it. By the way, Matt, do we have that tweet too? I forgot, I mentioned this before. After Tom Inglesby at Davos made that announcement, he also, in, in the audio that we heard, he also sent out a tweet. And as you reported on the dossier, one of the first people to retweet the announcement announcing Event 201 
Jordan, do you want to share who who was the first retweet for this? Yeah, another amazing supposed coincidence. It was Ron Klain, Joe Biden's chief of staff, who would later become Joe Biden's chief of staff. Unreal. It's it's too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence. So I guess my question, and a, a lot of people have this question too, we can understand the corruption and it's good to continue to investigate who was involved and how this was done so that we can prevent it from happening again. But the infrastructures that have been infiltrated by these people, by the World Economic Forum, by the UN, by the World Health Organization, by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, by the Rockefeller apparatus, how do we undo this at this point? Yeah, I think we need more um, people in the journalism space talking about this. Uh, I'm glad that you brought me on to talk about it and that you you know, have a growing, awesome platform. Um, and I think we need more people to not be so quick as to dismiss the possibility that the global elites are potentially even more evil than we think they are. Um, but we certainly need people in all the elements of society on our side I would love to see some Republicans, um, you know, now that they took over the House to start thinking about this. Maybe when you're doing these like investigations of the public health mafia, that you can get a question or two about this, you know, get the public conscious uh, consciousness kind of moving forward on this. And I, I think that you just need to really continue to attack this from all angles, continue to awaken people to the possibility that um, the people in charge are up to no good and they should consider what is going on inside of this crazy simulation and that the people in charge of it might not have our best interests in mind. Maybe not. They might not have our best interests in mind. Well, you're doing an amazing job of exposing this. As I said before, go to dossier.substack.com. You can subscribe to Jordan's work and uh, you can follow him on Twitter as well. He shares a lot of his work over there. Jordan, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, guys, that's dossier.substack.com. Jordan's one of my favorite investigative reporters, partially because he has really good content, but also partially because he shares his process. I really appreciate that. I like to see when he says, listen, this is the information we're looking for because this is part of the equation. Um, I think you'll really like him too. You can find him on Twitter. Let me know what you think. I know a lot of us have heard of Event 201 before. I had, I'd read about it in The Real Anthony Fauci I uh, and, and other places as well, but... This, this audio that Jordan uncovered is quite significant and it shows, I think, how the American people and global businesses and government officials were conditioned. So thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.